Revolution. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shites. It's brought to you by Gasp, and I'm Giles Edwards, co-founder and MD. Today, I've caught Fernando Machado, a global marketer and brand genius with enough lions to rival Joe Exotic. Fernando is global CMO at Restaurant Brands International, serving up great, effective work for Burger King, Popeyes and Tim Hortons. Having won a whopping 160 canned lions, 16 DNAD yellow pencils, one black pencil and three grand effies, it's no surprise he's been named one of Forbes' top three most influential CMOs in the world. He flame grills creative boundaries, crafting campaigns including Whopper Detour and Moldy Whopper to perfect a secret sauce made up of big ideas and bold campaigns to drive business results. Fernando says, If you create something that looks, feels and smells like an ad, it's probably not a good ad. I'm trying to do something that gets people to laugh, smile, share and pay attention. Welcome to the show, Fernando. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I was looking forward to this one. Right. Quick fire time, Fernando. Mac or PC? Mac, for sure. Sao Paulo or Miami? Miami. Oh, Corinthians or Palmeiras? None, Flamengo. Ask for permission or ask for forgiveness? Forgiveness, always. Pele or Ronaldinho? Oh, Pele, for sure. Ogilvy or Burnback? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, will, I would have to go with my friends from Ogilvy, right? I mean, we've done so much cool stuff together. I cannot, like, I, I cannot side with them. <laughs> but a big fan of Bills. Yes, I'm a huge fan. Like uh, I have, I'm looking at his book here in front of me. It's a shame it doesn't get printed anymore because lots of people would benefit from reading it. Yeah, agreed. Right, two more, and it's favorite ads time. So we have Guinness Surfer or Guinness Swimmer, aka Swim Black. Yeah, Swimmer. Uh, uh, Jonathan Glazer wins. <laughs> and finally, Moldy Whopper or Muck Whopper. Moldy. Yes. But, but Mac Whopper is, I love Mac Whopper too, don't get me wrong, but Moji to me is like uh, next level in terms of making people care about something that usually people don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, to be honest, the quick fires are often quite unfair because they're, they force binaries and it's not always the, uh, the fairest thing to, to do, is it? But... <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But thank you so much for joining us, Fernando. It's, it's a real pleasure. No, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, So here at Call to Action, we really like to celebrate the linear and particularly the not so linear routes that guests have taken to get to where they are now. So what was your first ever job and how did that lead to your first proper marketing job? Oh, my God. My first ever job was, um, believe it or not, I studied mechanical engineering in college. I was always kind of like good with numbers and, and had also a creative side. but 
back then in Brazil, I'm Brazilian. There was no like marketing school or like a business school, at least no none that I knew. So I decided to do to study engineering. And my first job uh, was uh, I got kind of like a scholarship where I had to work with a professor in his thesis around um, simulation of gas turbines. I still have it here, uh, uh, and like and I work on that for like year and a half, two years. And then I got an internship in Unilever in the shop floor of a factory in Indaiatuba, which is the countryside of Sao Paulo. Uh, and I worked there for around two years in the shop floor of the factory. Amazing. That's how it started. And, and, and that's where, look, that's where I heard the, the for the first time I've heard the word marketing. You know, we had like the marketing team coming from Sao Paulo to present the plans uh, for the brands that we used to produce in the factory. And then I saw the presentation and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like they have the business side, but they also have a creative side of design with advertising. Maybe, maybe I can do that. And then when my internship was getting to an end, I applied to their management trainee program uh, and I insisted uh, that I wanted to be in marketing. And then uh, the people who interviewed me were crazy enough to, to believe that I could. Uh, and even though I didn't know who Philip Kotler was, uh, they allowed me to, uh, to get a job in marketing at Unilever. And I, I imagine in hindsight, that time on the shop floor actually um, helped you from a, from a marketing perspective. It, it did, actually. You know why? Because, like, when I started in marketing, uh, they, uh, they gave me, like, a, a, a relatively small fabric softener brand in Unilever. It's, it's a large brand for the market, but for Unilever, uh, uh, in comparison to other brands that they have, uh, it was small. Uh, and they didn't have much budget at all. So I had to do things around packaging, design, and work very close to the manufacturing guys and the supply chain guys, which was the world I knew. And I had automatic respect from them, and they would be extremely helpful. And I was cheer for me uh, because they knew where I was coming from. Uh, so that was actually really, really, really helpful. And it's important that if you're working in business, that you have a holistic view of everything, right? I mean, uh, when, when if you are a marketeer, to understand the implications of what you do in the factory, in the uh, at Walmart, uh, on the supply chain, uh, on the finance side, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, totally agree. And in fact, part of the reason we asked that question at the start about first ever jobs is because I think whilst retrospectively, there is no right way into the industry, the route of going via the shop floor and having that inside out perception and complete total view. And as you say, understanding of manufacturing and, and supply is so significant and so easily lost if you jump straight into marketing from, say, a college or university degree. Yeah, totally true. Look, I mean, uh, when I look at my college degree, like uh, most of the guys were there, like uh, with me in the class, and we're still really good friends. I, I keep tabs. With, in fact, I'm talking to one of them. I like, just after this one, this recording. They, most of them don't work in engineering, you know, like, so I think that engineering or a good college, what gives you is like a really good foundation uh, in terms of your structuring, your thinking, delivering uh, against deadlines, uh, uh, building a timeline and managing a project. That's, I think, what we've learned, you know, like, and if you study engineering like me, like you learn to not be afraid of things because nothing is scarier than a calculus three uh, exam. <laughs> Amazing. And it gives you that, give you that, uh, that understanding of, of, of numbers and, you know, not just how to understand them, but how to use them. It helps. Yeah. 
I want to jump straight into the topic of uh, creativity as a competitive advantage. So there's a bit of burnbackism there, yeah. um, if that's all right, because it's it's so important and it's a message that has seemingly been lost in recent years, or at least maybe drowned out by the kind of data, some digital sirens and, and, and the such. But I think it's fair to say that you have an obsession with creativity. When when did that start? Was that prior to your early days with Unilever, or was that always was that kind of materialized over more recent years? Look, I mean, when it comes to creativity as a topic, not like applied to marketing or to business, I always consider myself to be kind of like a, a creative guy. You know, I, I I used to love drawing. I still do. So I used to draw all the time when I was in school, like meaning even before high school. Uh, I always did well in the art classes and like, uh, 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 and I, I was always like into like cinema and, and stuff like that. So I always had like a, what I would call like a, a strong uh, creative side. You know, I always enjoyed that. Like uh, I was always the guy who was drawing the t-shirts for the class. You know what I mean? Um, and, and to me, like uh, in, in, when it comes to business, to me, creativity is what makes you, can help you make you different. Uh, can help your money go uh, a, a long way, you know, like uh, if you just go uh, on the path of same, same or plain vanilla or flat or 100% functional and rational, uh, I, I don't think that's how people engage with topics, you know, you need creativity to make it stand out. And since we are, we are quoting, since we touched on Bernbach a couple of times, like he used to say, uh, uh, if people don't notice your advertising, everything else is academic, right? I mean, and, and I think creativity is uh, uh, what can help make people notice because you are going to do uh, something uh, slightly different than, than the rest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, the quote we uh, we used for you in our intro ends with paying attention. And I think that is obviously rings true with your comment there on, on Burnback. As a kid then growing up, were you... Uh, interested in ads and, and creativity and the, one of the reasons I asked that is because not that long ago you paid homage to Diego Maradona and posted some of your favorite Argentinian ads we had a brief exchange on Twitter because you actually shared an ad that I had never seen partly I suppose because I'm the other side of the world to where that ad was created it was for BGH air conditioners dads in briefs yeah and it, and it was utterly glorious I absolutely adored it man I love I loved it and so was that something you were in you were interested in as a kid growing up not as a kid growing up like I think that uh, when I started in Unidiver I was lucky enough to to start it was around 97 98 uh, when I started in marketing and Unilever had like a very strong track record of advertising and amazing agencies and 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 like the, the marketing people on the leadership were super inspiring to me uh, and the brand and the brands were really pushing the boundaries when it comes to creativity with acts with uh, degree uh, Hexona uh, in Latin America uh, um, with Omo which is like a laundry detergent like that's huge uh, in, in Brazil and and I, I always like looked up to that work. Uh, uh, and, and thought it was like super exciting, you know what I mean? Like you would go to those like meetings, all company meetings, like with everyone uh, from the company and all areas, and they would show the ads, and everyone would get excited, you know. Like uh, so, I was like, maybe I can. I, I think I can do this, you know. I think I can work to develop that type of stuff, uh, and uh, and I started to get more interest, more interest, and I was surrounded by people that were like-minded, so we used to like leave work buy some beers and go to a friend's house and 
and watch ads. You know, we would borrow the the, the VHS uh, from the the A&D, one show from the agency, and would just watch. And, and it was fun. And I had no idea how to do it, uh, how to brief, how to judge, how to approve, how to produce. Uh, but I knew what I wanted. Uh, I, and I really think advertising is an acquired taste. You know what I mean? No one is born uh, uh, knowing how to do advertising. You need to love it and invest time and, and hopefully like find people who will coach you, uh, which I always did. I was very lucky on that front. Uh, and then over time, you're going to learn a lot and you're going to get better and better and better. I, I used to say that, I still say that, that uh, it took me 10 years to still like an ad that I did a year after I did it. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. I would do this stuff and I think like, oh, it's amazing. And then a year later, I would be like, oh my God, what the hell I was thinking? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, because I was learning so fast. Uh, so that's kind of like how I, I developed in the, in, the, in the advertising front. Yeah, I've heard you. I've heard that quote before from you, and it's it's fantastic, and it kind of rings true my side as well because you're absolutely right. And and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's everything's great about that. The fact that you, it it shows progression. It's not a case of looking back and beating yourself up for doing something that you would do differently now. It's it's, it's a clear sign of growth, isn't it? Yes, it is. And 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 look, I mean, uh, and that's why uh, learning and developing yourself and going to an environment where people will invest on your learning uh, it's so important especially in the beginning of your career you know like uh, that's why it's so important that you try to identify uh, the sooner the better uh, what are the things that like uh, that make your heart race the things that like get you excited uh, the things that you love so that you like spend time on that front you know what i mean like uh, in my case when i say like hey we used to get a vhs tape and go grab beers uh, watching ads it was fun you know what I mean? Like, it was not like, oh, my God, I have to go and study advertising. No, 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 no. We love that. Uh, uh, and, 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 and everyone works so hard, right? I mean, I, I, like, I don't know anyone who says, like, oh, I don't work hard at all and I'm a successful. Like, people work hard. So you better choose something to do that you really love uh, uh, because then as you work hard, you will have fun doing it. Uh, and that's what you we were doing. Uh, and that's what I still do, to be honest. Yeah, well, that's important, isn't it? That's really nice to hear as well. But one of the reasons, I suppose, again, why we why we like to ask how people start off is because you're absolutely right. The people take all sorts of routes into this industry. In fact, one of the best copywriters I know used to work in archaeology, whereas you get lots of people who have worn like creative hats like me that are more studio based who would study creativity but the way I've always understood it is you have you have your pure creativity which is your fine art and your painting and, and so on and various other kind of arts fit into that category and then you mentioned about creativity in business I've always understood that to be kind of applied creativity because you're applying it to achieve a business result and that type of stuff you know there's no reason why that would interest you as a kid growing up you don't understand it but the bit that's sticky is the is how memorable and creative and fun the ads are and that's the kind of the thread yeah, I think totally I'd love to get your opinion on how we make the case for creativity then because it's hard to describe creativity in say a spreadsheet or it's hard to maybe making a case for it over other types of analytics and, and data-driven decisions which which have become easier to make over time albeit not necessarily to the uh, benefit of effectiveness yeah so look i mean i think you can go through two fronts right i mean one which is 
Uh, people see the work that we do, especially with BK, and, and they see the output of the work, but many times they don't see that there is a method behind the madness. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like uh, uh, we, uh, uh, we uh, the first step that we did here was like to make sure that everyone understood what the brand was about uh, and what's the tone of voice and, 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 the, and the positioning of the brand and all those things. Uh, then uh, we made sure that we aligned on uh, what are our strategic objectives for the company, you know, like, and how to measure them. And when we are looking to ideas, we are always measuring against that. Is this on brand? Does this help me deliver the strategy? And, and if you do that over time, as you start to make ideas happen, uh, you, can, you can basically like show that when you push the boundaries of creativity, you can most often uh, get a better result. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, I, I always try to bring it back to results. Uh, and that's why it's important to define how we're going to measure success, what are the variables that you're trying to change, uh, and all those things. Some projects are more short-term uh, uh, objectives. Some projects are more like sales, uh, uh, like related objectives. Some are more at, at brand attributes objective, but all projects have some sort of objective. You know, like, uh, and then as you start deploying things and pushing the boundaries, uh, hopefully you see that the more you push, usually the better uh, uh, the result. The other thing is like, uh, uh, and if people don't understand that, uh, another way that tends to work is like, just like when people question you, just look at the person. You know what I mean? Like uh, usually that person is wearing a Nike shoe, uh, or or an Apple Watch, uh, or like, and then you like and like or in a Lacoste uh, uh, polo, it'll be like, wh why why do you choose that? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, I can make, I can build an argument that the Samsung watch is better uh, technically than the Apple. Like, why did you pick Apple? You know, like uh, why did you pick why did you pick Lacoste and didn't pick Polo? You know, like uh, isn't it funny that they are doing better creative work? You know what I mean? Like than the other brand. Like, uh, like you see what I'm saying? Like, uh, I always try to make it like we sometimes put the hat of businessman or businesswoman, and we forget that we are also consumers. You know, like, uh, uh, and, and sometimes bringing the person back to, hey, look at what you're consuming. You know, why is that? Can be like, uh, can have that like uh, enlightenment moment. You know what I mean? Like people are like, oh yeah, it, it's kind of true, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I'm buying stuff that. Uh, that actually the brand is doing good creative work. Yeah, no, that all makes complete sense. I like that idea as well, bringing it back to the individual and having a look at, you know, their Apple Watch, etc. I think it's difficult, though, uh, in terms of measuring creativity, especially when it comes to short time spans, because, it, you know, I heard someone else recently saying something about, well, how much do you love your wife? And can you plot how that love has grown over years? And it's creativity is one of those things that I think inherently a lot of people understand works and has significant business effects, uh, but it translating it into maybe, maybe we all, I, I always think we should all learn how to speak the language of the CFO in the finance department. For sure. But at the same time, it's still on the wife metaphor. Like uh, imagine you are proposing to your wife. Yeah. Uh, you can propose in a creative way or in a flat way. Uh, which is the way you think she will remember 20 years from now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, cre creativity makes everything better. You know, like, uh, and I think that if you don't believe on that, uh, it's because you, you didn't see great creative in front of you yet. 
and, and, and saw the results that that can bring uh, in all fronts, you know, like uh, whether you are uh, non, not for profit, whether you are a, a, a for profit company, uh, whether it's like how you're going to organize the, the Easter uh, hunt, uh, the egg hunt for Easter for your kids or like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like creativity always makes things better. Yes, agreed. hundred percent agreed. Um, you talked about positioning there. And I think Burger King uh, is, a, is a great example, especially when it comes to positioning against com- competitors. Um, I've heard you talk about the challenger mindset that you've kind of got within the culture of, of, of Burger King. And that there's probably parallels there, although I don't want to make assumptions with Burger King maybe going after market share versus market growth, for example, and, and taking that that you know strong stance and, and mindset. How do you start to create that culture of creativity? Or how did you do that when you first joined Burger King? Or was it already there, do you think? Uh, Burger King is a brand that has been in the marketplace since 1954. Uh, if you go back to the first ads around the Whopper, you, you would see that uh, it's pretty uh, competitive and challenging uh, and challenger uh, type of uh, um, advertising. It's like black and white, old school ads, okay? Uh, I think that there was a period where uh, Burger King clearly was a challenger brand, uh, uh, like creating ways of pop culture, which was the period that uh, CPB was doing the work. Uh, and that's like 12, 13 years ago. Don't quote me on that, but it's around that time. Uh, and then after CPB, there was like, basically like uh, lots of different agencies uh, different positionings, like uh, different positionings at the same time, uh, bad client behavior, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, um, and I think we didn't do uh, work that was uh, to the level that the brand um, deserved. Uh, and then when, uh, when we started doing the work around seven years ago, uh, the ambition was like, well, let's go back to do work uh, that is uh, as great as the work that CPB used to do. You know, you know, like when they were at their best, like uh, with Whopper Freak Out, Whopper Virgins, Whopper Sacrifice, Sub Seven Chicken. Like I could go on and on and on talking uh, about that. But you don't start you, you, the first project that you do when you want to reignite that is definitely not Moji Whopper, right? I mean, uh, you need to uh, you need to build your credibility. You need to make the case for creativity, which was like uh, one of the previous questions you were discussing. I use a lot uh, as a metaphor, like the, the cliff divers from Acapulco. You know, I don't know if you've been to Acapulco in Mexico, but like there is like a, a massive cliff and they have these guys that jump from the cliff in a, in a very like thin, like a, a, like very straight, like narrow, like a, a water um, from, from the sea. Uh, and, um, and, and once I, I had a chance to talk to them and I asked like, like how the hell you, like how the hell you learn how to do that? And the guy looked at me and said, well, we don't start from here, right? I mean, we start from back there, like one meter, two meter from the uh, from the sea, and then you climb your way up uh, as you start to get more confident. Uh, they, they also told me, like, that they, I asked, like, so you're not afraid of jumping from here? And he's like, no, I am afraid. I'm afraid every time, uh, but I jump anyway. Uh, and to me, that's, the, that's what it is, you know? Like, uh, you want to start, start small, start with a social media post, a print ad, maybe a radio ad, Make the case, show that, that the creativity is delivering the result in a better way than the stuff that you used to do in the past. Then do another time, another time. Do two in a, two together. Uh, more examples, more examples. Build the credibility and uh, and start to climb that cliff. Um, and understand that part of your job as a marketeer or CMO 
is to uh, help the organization become more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because if you are going to do stuff that's creative, uh, there will always be a certain degree of fear or being uncomfortable. Uh, because creativity to do something that's different, uh, something that's different comes with uncertainty. Uh, and uncertainty triggers a little bit of fear and anxiety. So um, that, that's kind of like the work that we've done here. You know, like a, a moji walker is jumping from the top of the cliff, which doesn't mean that we are fearless. We are like shitting our pants like on, on that jump, uh, but we did it anyway. Uh, and I think that's the trick. Comfortable with being uncomfortable is lovely. Is, do you think that's a key part of how the, the role of the CMO is uh, is either changing or, or, or just a key part of it, I suppose? Well, I think that, I think that the, the best CMOs I know, they, they manage to influence the organization to go into that direction. You know, like I, I think that the role of the CMO in, increase in size and scope, you know, it goes beyond just driving short-term sales and most CMOs are involved with DNI, they are involved with sustainability. Uh, uh, they, they, they are the brand stewards, like they, uh, they push the organization to, to take a certain angle uh, uh, on things and they end up like becoming uh, the right hand arm of the uh, of the CEO when it comes to positioning the brand, like employee engagement and, and all those things. I also think um, it can help to frame creativity slightly differently because, you know, our evolutionary instincts tell us to avoid risk for our own kind of survival. But yeah. actually being creative is, is completely and powerfully smart. And our aim really needs to be kind of boringly effective. And it's everyone else who does the same thing and doesn't take risks. They're actually, ironically, the risk the risk takers in some respects. Yes, I mean it's a quote from Zuckerberg, right? I mean the biggest risk is not taking any risk. Uh, like, I, I, like uh, when when something goes wrong, it doesn't have a big impact. When something goes right, you can hit a home run. Trying to do something that's different may not necessarily result in a better outcome, but at worst, in worst case, it will be flat. And flat tends to be the most common outcome of when you when you do something that's not different. You know what I mean? So you may as well try to do something different, something creative, because uh, that's the only way. You know. I also heard you say if you don't feel uncomfortable about it, it's probably not a good enough idea, which I love. What are the what are the kind of biggest risks that you think you've taken in in, in your recent career? Well, I think Modi Whopper, like. Uh, it's like, I, I, the thing is, like, I don't even see it as a risk, to be honest with you. I, I always felt that uh, my organization has my back. My CEO has my back. They understand what we're trying to do. Everyone does. Um, everyone trusts. Uh, and if something doesn't work well, it will be like, okay, what are the learnings? Let's do better next time. Moving on, you know? Uh, when I think about what were the most different things uh, I've done in the recent past, I surely like Modi Whopper uh, and Whopper the Tour uh, ranked very high, but we did things like burning stores, uh, we did Whopper Neutrality, uh, we did Humberters, we did um, Mac Whopper, which you touched, uh, we did Google Home of the Whopper, uh, we did so many things that were very different and very daring for uh, their time. That it's almost like um, uh, we, we got used to it, you know, like uh, we got used to feeling uncomfortable with ideas that are very disruptive. And that's a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, fantastic. I'm mindful of time. We, we have a couple of listener questions I'd like to put to you. Cool, for... let's do it. 
So asking the general public for their opinion, be it on Brexit or boat names, is notoriously fraught with danger. But that's not stopped us. And we have two for you, starting with a... Uh, a, a fellow call to action alumni and creative director of Peter and Paul, Lee Davies. And Lee, uh, he's referencing the new brand identity rollout, which is, I guess, a couple of months old now. Uh, yeah. Now He says the new brand seems to use nostalgia as its starting point. Was that a risk in a world whose attitudes towards food, eating meat, the ecological impact of beef, etc.? Was that a risk, given it's changing all the time, that attitude? Yeah, well, let me disentangle that, because I think that there are two questions like uh, on, on that question. One is like, I, I honestly don't see the design as nostalgic. You know, like uh, the brand is a brand with heritage. It's a brand that has been in the marketplace since 1954. The design, the, the ambition of the design was to be an uh, instant classic. You know, like uh, uh, we were trying to accomplish... Uh, <laughs> things that usually don't fit well in the same sentence, like we want it to be classic and modern, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, because we know that when you hit that, it becomes more timeless. That was what was uh, kind of like the mindset behind the design work. And we also, uh, as part of that, wanted to uh, uh, make sure that we were portraying the brand as the brand as it, at, at its best, you know, like, uh, uh, and the brand is like a 50s uh, uh, kind of brand. Uh, when it comes to uh, sustainability, nutrition, all those things, we have like very strong uh, streams of work uh, uh, to address that. You know, like uh, we launched a, a framework that we call Restaurant Brands for Good, which has three pillars, food quality, uh, sustainability, uh, planet sustainability, and people and communities. Uh, on food quality, we are removing all artificial ingredients from all our food globally. For the three brands, not just Burger King, uh, we have a nutritional roadmap. Moji Whopper is part of that, right? On Planet, we have like an infinite number of like uh, uh, initiatives uh, to reduce our environmental footprint. We are global leaders on plant-based burgers. Um, so like the initiatives are happening and, and because they are happening, we wanted to signal to people that this brand continues to evolve and, and, and is different uh, than what they have in mind. Uh, and that's why uh, we made the visual identity change at the time we did, you know, like, because it's almost like a bow on top of like many other things that we are working on. So I don't see it as contradictory. And I see it as more like a timeless design that's classic and modern and comes to show that this brand is, is in constant evolution. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. I mean, in, to be honest, in, in my own brand management uh, kind of training, heritage was always, you know, a key part, place to, to to look and almost obsess over quite rightly. Otherwise, you end up, you know, changing direction and it, it doesn't make any sense from a brand perspective. Awesome. Um, question two is from a very smart uh, MA student called Christopher Kelly. Um, and Christopher asks, given the outdated and arguably damaging state of education in the field, what advice do you have for those aspiring strategists and marketeers looking to have a positive impact on the industry? Get a job in a place that uh, people care about you learning and, and developing yourself. You know, like uh, uh, that would be my first advice. You know, like uh, I think that uh, I, I read, I used to read even more, but I always read a lot. And 
uh, and I watch ads like nonstop and especially try to research a bit the history of the ads, who shot, what was the production house, like how did they come up with the idea, what was the agency. Like, uh, you know, like when you when you said Guinness Swimmer, I knew who the director was, you know, and we didn't we didn't rehearse that. We didn't share that question in advance with me. Uh, but like I, I like the space. So I'm obsessed about it, you know, like uh, not because I have to, but because I, I love. Um, so uh, I, I was lucky to be in several places and, and work with several agencies where people really invested time to coach me and to train me. Uh, and I was always completely obsessed about learning. Uh, uh, so that would be my advice, you know, like uh, you'll probably not become rich on your first job, you know, like uh, so focus on like uh, finding a place that uh, where is a fertile environment for you to learn. Uh, that's how I would go about that one. Um, the final part of our interview then, then Fur, is our four pertinent poses that we put to all of our guests, starting with... What advice would you give to your younger self? Advice to my younger self? I like, I don't know. Like, I think I would probably say, especially at the beginning of my career, like, be, be more patient. You know, like, things are going to happen. Uh, and sometimes you need to be a little bit more patient. And, but things are going to happen. If you continue to work hard and deliver results, good things are going to come your way. Uh, I used to become very anxious and very impatient. And, and su- I even suffer a bit when uh, people got promoted before I did, uh, or like uh, when people had an opportunity uh, that I felt was better than uh, the one I was uh, having. Uh, And sometimes the reality is that sometimes people are just on the right place at the right time. Uh, 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 And if you focus on doing your job, uh, on like uh, uh, delivering your results uh, and and, and learning and growing, uh, on the long run, uh, you will be given the opportunities that you um, that you deserve. I would have suffered less. Yeah, yeah, I think we all would have done. <laughs> um, number two, then, uh, for, if you could banish one thing from the industry, what would it be and why? From the industry advertising or from life? Well, if you feel particularly passionate about one or the other, then, then go with that. Yeah, man, I hate cancel culture. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, and, and I think that I think it, it creates the wrong behavior and mindset on people. Uh, and I feel that people read the headline and, and they don't go deep, uh, deeper to understand what's behind. And they start to uh, like wanting to cancel a brand or people. And I just like I just dislike that with passion. Like I'm very positive about our industry. You know, like I'm not one of those people who are like, constantly criticizing the industry and saying that this year is worse than the previous one. Like I see lots of people doing that. I mean, I'm, I told you that like I'm Brazilian, I'm hopeless, optimistic. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that things are, are getting better or will get better always. Well, I mean, being Brazilian, you've won the World Cup numerous times, so you have to sympathize with us poor sods over here. Who... <laughs> well, that, has been, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> Uh, number three, are there any books that you can recommend to our listeners? Well, since we touched on it, uh, the, the Bill Bernbach book, uh, I think it's amazing. Uh, it's by Bob, I think it's Bob Levinson. Uh, I probably butchered uh, his name. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not being printed anymore, but if you go on Amazon, you can buy uh, a used copy. That's what I did. I, I simply love that book. 
you know, like, uh, and, uh, and I can read it again and again and again. I feel always, uh, I'm always learning something. Uh, and even though it was written many years ago, it feels very modern and, and it feels very uh, relevant today. Totally. Uh, quick story. I've actually got that book here right next to me. And I um, I think some listeners will know already because I've had quite a few envious tweets about it. But I, I was lucky enough to find it on a, on a US thrift store website. Nice. And the, the, the packaging, the postage and delivery to the UK was more than the book itself. So I really lucked out. But the best thing about it is when it first arrived and I was, I was flicking through it, my five-year-old daughter came over and sat with me and she genuinely laughed about yeah. several of the ads and re- and enjoyed it and seeing the look on her face it's awesome. despite not being able to read some of the words or understand or clearly have no knowledge of the brands yeah. just showed how brilliant it was yeah it's a vis- visceral reaction right i mean and if you cannot get hold of that book but if you search on amazon you probably can find a used one but if you cannot get hold of that one the copy book from the DAND is also like a, one of my favorites. Uh, and that one is easy to find. It's not that expensive, uh, totally worth uh, getting it and, and, and going through it. And then number four, Fer, we always dedicate every episode to someone and we bestow or hospital pass that honor to our guest who has to give the reason why. So would you kindly dedicate this episode? Oh, my God. Like, uh, well, since we spoke about him so many times, I think this one goes to Bill. Uh, right. I mean, um, uh, thanks for inspiring us from wherever you are, uh, uh, like uh, up there in the sky. Uh, thanks for inspiring us to do uh, great creative work. Thanks for being brave, for, from sh- to, for showing us that uh, even when you put product at the center, you can do something that's creative. What a great dedication. We've never had, um, Bill's never been uh, the uh, the chosen dedication so it is with great pleasure that this episode is is dedicated to bill burnback as a final call to action then everyone listening can head over uh, to calltoaction.co and we'll share links to everything including the books that fur has kindly recommended how else can people get more fernando machado well i'm i'm very active on twitter and i try as much as i can uh, to engage on keynotes and like uh, on like uh, on, I'm part of the One Club for Creativity. Uh, I am on the advo- advisory council for Khan. Uh, I am on the board of Miami Ad School. So it's not that difficult to find me out there. Uh, but if you don't want to search, just follow me on Twitter and you'll see that I post all the time. Um, it's been a real pleasure and a real privilege. Uh, so thank you for joining us so much. No, thanks for having me. It was fun. I could keep going. Maybe you can do another one in the future. Oh, happily, happily. And finally, thank you to everybody listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it and review the pod. We hugely value your support. Keep questions and guest requests coming in. To get in touch, it's easy to find Gasp online. You can check out CTA pod on Instagram or just email hello at calltoaction.co. Try and I try and I try.